Welcome back to the Gator Maven podcast brought to you by Sports Illustrated. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host over here. I got Graham Marsh with me. We're coming to you from the UF Journalism School, our new recording studio. It's nice that it's so free and so perfect. Thank you, University of Florida, for hooking us up here. Uh, we are joined... You mean the flagship university in the state of Florida? Yeah. Flagship. Flagship. Oh, yeah. And we're the flagship podcast of the We are the Florida flagship Gators. podcast of... We're the, we're the flagship podcast of college football, bro. Don't sell ourselves short, dude. And you know what? We're the flagship site for Sports Illustrated right now. Uh, if you haven't checked out our site over at Gator Maven, make sure to do it. Our domain's changed for good. It's perfect. It is now si.com slash college slash Florida. You can find us there. We're getting picked up a lot on the team stream now over at Bleacher Report. We got a lot of new intern writers who have come on, and they're going to be doing a great job. A lot of really great writers, a lot of driven students over here at the J School. So it's really nice to get everyone involved here within this Florida and Gators community. And speaking of getting people involved within the community, we're bringing back our guest from a couple of weeks ago, Harrison Tenzer of the Big Three Roll-Up. He's joining us live before he catches a flight out here to Florida to catch the game against Auburn this weekend. You can follow him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Tenzer. Harrison, say what's up to the people. What's good, everybody? Y'all ready for the biggest home game in maybe, what, 10 years? Something like Five, that. Ten? Something like that. Yeah. 2000, 2012 was when we last had a matchup this big. Yeah, it's 2012 is the last biggest matchup we had this the last matchup we had that was this big. I had a booster. I had a couple boosters tell me this is the hottest ticket they've seen since Tebow's last home game in 09 cuz some of them can't even get tickets. Some of them can't even get extra tickets. So, yeah, man, I'm pretty excited, man. I haven't for the swamp. Mm-hmm. It felt like the swamp was back last year for LSU, but I'm expecting this to honestly be at another level. Yep, totally agree. And we're going to preview this game uh throughout this pod. We're just going to kind of wing it we don't have a set schedule set up but there's so many good topics that we won't run out of content but everyone and their mother so far has been talking about auburn's defensive line i mean the three guys that returned that honestly could have been drafted last year they get a ton of pressure on the quarterback uh we've been really impressed with what kyle trask has done so far albeit against tennessee and towson but he's done a good job he's completing a lot of passes he's utilizing the underneath aspects of the field and he's got playmakers that can do that there. I wrote about Josh Hammond and this being a huge game for him. Should Kyle Trask, you know, be the full-time quarterback? Uh, that's another topic for later in the show. But he's going to be going up against, you know, a pretty, pretty huge test in this Auburn defensive line. Uh, they're just, I've got PFF up right now, and they're so deep getting pressure. They've got 112 through five games. Marlon Davidson coming off the edge. Uh, he has got nearly 20 pressures himself. Big Cat Bryant's another guy out there with 15. Nick Coe's got 13. They've got five guys in double digits when it comes to getting pressures, so they've got a really good rotation. So, Graham, I'll start that off. What does that scare you most for Florida? I mean, the offensive line's had some issues this year, but they've been better off in pass protection. Yeah, um, I mean, I've been I've been writing about this for for quite a bit, for, for a couple weeks now. Um, and and we, we've talked about it before. We talked about it last time Harrison came on the pod. You know, when, when Florida plays, this, this is their first elite defensive line they're going to play all year. And it's probably one of only two elite defensive lines that play all year. I mean, other than Georgia. And Georgia doesn't even have an elite defensive line. I mean, they their pass rush wasn't that great. But this is just yeah, – this yeah. is by far the best one we're playing. Right, right, yeah. I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, LSU's defensive line doesn't impress you. They they gave up 38 points to Vanderbilt. Does that, does that impress you? Not really. 
Um, yeah, I mean, right, LSU right. overall impresses me, but their defensive line, not really. But, again, Auburn, um, I think we talked about this, Harrison, before. They're kind of one of those groups that's always good. Yeah. You know, no matter what. Like, yeah. obviously, Auburn's having a good year right now, but even when Auburn has bad years, you feel like they still have NFL talent on the defensive line. That's just kind of a thing they always have. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's from – if you're speaking from a Gator fan perspective, it's it's kind of terrifying, especially running the ball. I mean, like – you saw Pirine getting stuffed after one yard against Tennessee, who let Georgia State run all over him. Yeah. So now so. you're talking about you're talking about a top tier defensive line in college football. You're talking about a defensive line that's going to have multiple people drafted. You're talking about a defensive line that could have had multiple people drafted last year mm-hmm. that decided to stay. So it's like this is elite, man. But but again, we we've talked about this, Zach. I know you and I have talked about this a ton. Um. As bad as it's been in run blocking, this offensive line has impressed, might be a strong word, but has held up well in the pass game. Mm-hmm. They have pass blocked well. They've shown good form. They've shown um, It discipline. doesn't make much sense. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> they've, shown, they've shown discipline. They've shown ability to be in position. They've used their hands well. All the things you need to do as, an, as a pass blocking offensive lineman, um, I haven't seen any of them be abysmal at it. Um, Gene Delance has Except been the worst Gene one. Except Gene Delance. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I, that, that's another thing. I hope we get a heavy dose of uh, Richard Garage this week. But um, yeah, in the run game, I mean, I, I've wrote, I've written about it. Like they, Florida's got to open. Florida's got to throw the ball to open up the run. That's the only way that they're going to run the ball, even mildly well against Auburn. That's the only way they're even going to approach 100 yards. Is if they come out early in the game and they just sling it all over the yard and they force Auburn to put an extra DB on the field, then you can start talking about, you know, maybe late first quarter, early second quarter. Then you can start talking about, you know, giving Damian Pierce a few carries, giving P. Ryan a few carries. Maybe, maybe, if you have Emory Jones in the game, a speed option to the outside with Malik Davis or stuff like that, then you can start looking into that. But I think early in this game, your only chance to get around that defensive line is to throw it right over their heads. And just get Kyle Pitts, Josh Hammond. I know y'all want to talk about Josh Hammond a lot. Oh yeah, get get them downfield and make downfield throws and force them to put an extra DB on the field. That's your only shot at running the ball successfully at any point in this game. So Auburn, according to PFF, is and this is kind of an interesting stat because you don't get a full definition of it, but it's essentially called a stop. And that type of play is one that constitutes a fail, a tackle that resulted in a failure for the offense. So essentially. First down, they don't gain four yards. Second, they don't get three from a better field position, and it it, it just it varies based on what the play is. Because it's isn't it based on what would give you a first down in three plays? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, what I figured. And Auburn is recording a defensive stop on every two and a half snaps. I can't think of many Ooh. better defenses other than, and I'm doing the math on it right now. Florida, according to PFF, uh, Marco Wilson has the most snaps on that defense at 200. In 46, Florida has had 135 defensive stops. Florida's at 1.8. Every 1.8 wow. snaps, they're getting a defensive stop. So you're talking about, like everyone knows, but that just kind of puts emphasis on how great both of these defensive lines are. Like I don't think Florida's getting enough talk about how good their defensive line is almost compared to everyone in their mother talking about Auburn. Yeah, I see early I mean, in this I game. I agree with ugly. that because – We've played Miami, who had a horrific 
that a barely even a power five offensive line. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. They started two true freshman tackles versus an all SEC player in Jabari Zuniga, and uh, who's also I think part of the reason we haven't gotten a lot of talk because he's been out what two two and a half games really. Right. Yep. And then it's just and on the other side it was Jonathan Grenard. So we haven't really seen the Florida D line aside from versus Miami and probably what Zuniga got hurt what the first half of Kentucky. So we haven't really seen a full D-line in a meaningful game besides maybe just a game and a half. And I think that's part of the reason why we're not getting enough talk, which is weird because we're doing – we're putting, we're producing great stats. Like I think we lead the, this country in sacks with 24, and we have the most tackles for loss in the country, and we haven't even had it with an all-SEC defensive lineman. And you've had it with um, – you know, every week you've got at least one one of your starting DBs out too. And, yeah, and, and you know that that obviously affects your D line. This is the first time I was D-line. looking back at it. This is probably the first time a Florida Gators defense has had everyone, every starter, like the best eleven that they can throw out on the field healthy. Aside from maybe, well, not even Miami because we had an injury or two, but um, but this and is probably Brad the first time play. a full Florida defense is healthy since probably Missouri in 2016 when Gerard Davis got hurt because 2017 yeah. was the year from hell. And last year, it just seemed like everyone was either suspended or in the opening in the opener, or we didn't really know what we had to work with. So, and then by then, attrition set in, and we had some injuries. So, this is the first real starting eleven we've seen under Todd Grantham in the last few years, and it obviously could be at a better time. And they are in for a test this weekend, though. Florida's allowed forty-five pressures by their offensive line, which isn't bad. I mean, like you said, they've been solid in pass protection. Auburn's allowed 31, and eight of them have come from Bo Nix putting himself into pressure. So yep. it's definitely that's just that freshman test. being a freshman. That, that yeah. sounds about freshman quarterback. Exactly. That sounds about a freshman quarterback that runs. Yeah. Because I mean, he runs around and runs himself right into stuff. <laughs> Y'all should have been there when Kyrie Campbell was talking him up, man. Uh, that that interview he put out the other night, I don't know if you guys saw the clips on the timeline, Mm-mm. but like he was hype, man. He 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 said um he was trying to make it, ball. He, he wasn't he doesn't really view him as a running threat because he knows he's going to try and protect himself he compared him to johnny manziel like <laughs> it just how he likes to slide and get out yeah. of bounds and stuff like that yeah. so they're not i don't think they're worried i, I really don't I, I think i'm also encouraged that this is the first time i've seen obviously besides miami because that game you just have nine months to be ready for and it's a great first game but this is the first time i've seen it a gator team this locked in for a football game and years can mm-hmm. we both agree on that Easy. can we all agree on that yeah, yeah. especially because like especially because they played Towson last week yeah yeah i mean M- yeah, Mullen... it's like we've essentially had a, we've essentially had three bye weeks already with the bye week ut right. martin and Towson. so these boys are ready for this next month right because because I, I mean listen mullen and and the players and the assistant coaches they can say whatever they want they looked right over Towson. Oh yeah, I now, mean, see, yeah, you can tell by that when like, Sean Davis was out and everyone else was out. I was just about to say that, like, if Auburn were last week, you think C.J. Henderson would have played? Like, oh, absolutely. Duh. You think Zuniga would have played? Duh. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, y- you know that they ran, and you could see it on the field with what they called. You know they ran a very vanilla game plan against Towson. They ran easy stuff. They got, you know, they worked on fundamentals, and, and they they've been preparing for Auburn. That that's who they've been yeah. thinking about all last week and including this week. So you really think about it, you, you really got two weeks to prepare for Auburn. Now, and which is why I'm a big fan of I'm not a big fan of FCS games, but if you're going to do it, put it before your biggest game of the se- one of your biggest games of the season. Yeah, exactly. Put a borderline bye week there. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now we talk about how they're going to have to rely on the pass game to open up the run. That's something that Graham, you've written about, and it seems to you know be coming true. They are throwing the ball a good bit. Uh, but how are they going to actually get that started once they do start dedicating themselves to the run? What I mean, we all I know we all think that Damian Pierce needs to get a lot of carries, but um, how are they going to get the running game started or the passing game? Running. The I, run, oh, the running yeah. game. So um, as far as I think a huge thing um, that I've been hitting on is, is timing when you decide to start running the ball and the the tangible explanation, the tangible idea is when whenever Auburn puts that extra DB on the field. The more broad timing is, you know, late first quarter, early to mid-second quarter. Whenever Auburn's defense is noticeably getting a little more tired, because every defense is going to get tired throughout the course of a game, um, whenever they start to wear down a little bit and you can hopefully get that defense aligned to um, – you know, not give 100% every play because they've been coming after Trask or if Emory Jones gets into Emory Jones every play. So that's when, when you really start to see the fundamentals and the defense slip because that always happens. You know, every every defense ever has drives in any big game where their fundamentals slip a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to have to take advantage of. You're going to have to take advantage of that one drive where they're kind of falling asleep, they're tired, they're focused on the pass, and then you can kind of sneak some runs in. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, ideally, before you know it, you know, Damian Pierce has broken a tackle or two and he's picked up a 15-yard run. LaMichael Pirine has, you know, gotten a sweep or something like that, and he's gotten eight yards up the field. Maybe Malik Davis has a good carry finally. And then you start to think, okay, you know, offensive line gets a little more confidence. They start to fight for those extra yards. Uh, there, there's the run last year. I'm sure you remember Harrison. It was early in the game against LSU. It was the it was on the first drive where uh, um, was it Moral Stevens or Kamora Gamble that caught the first touchdown last year against LSU? Stevens, Stevens. right? Yep, Stevens. With the, with the step up with the step up play action, yeah. Yeah, that that corner out in the back of the end zone. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just about to. I was just about to, actually. I'm looked. I looked it up on my computer. I was just about to bring it up last on the go ahead drive versus LSU. Then moment, like. We called a speed option that with the P round that got out of 17 yards on a second and 10. Yeah, and on, when that, they were thinking on that pass, short side of the field then, to the right side. Yeah, and then yep. on third and seven, the next sequence after two after an incomplete and a three yard run, Dan Mullen called a quarterback power. So right. your point your point is it's like there's always going to be a time when it's when they're just naturally assuming pass, and I think that's when you might have to run the ball. I just don't know if. With what we've seen with life without the quarterback dive, because we haven't had a great success rate, and I don't know if that's a Trask thing or uh, or an oh, I think it's mostly an offensive line thing, and the fact that yeah. now everyone knows it's coming in 2019. I just don't know if we can do that with Trask, and we might have to do it with Pierce or P. Ryan. Now, how do they open up that run game by starting with the pass? What do you guys want to see them come out and do early from Kyle Trask? Or I know. We're talking about the idea of getting Emory more involved earlier on. Um, I see, I I see, two. I think of two names when we talk about opening up the pass early in the game, or using the pass to open up the run early in the game. Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. Josh Hammond, mm-hmm. because those two guys are. I mean, Kyle Pitts is Josh Hammond is not your most athletically gifted receiver, but he's by far your most reliable. 
he's by far the guy that you trust on third and five to catch that seven-yard out route? He's by far everything Kyle Trask needs to yes. be successful. 100%. Because he's he's the short route, the inside guy, and Trask loves those those intermediate throws, those 10, 15-yard throws. That's why that's why he and Kyle Pitts have had such a good connection. Because yeah, Kyle that's Pitts, why I said – oh, my bad. Sorry. You're good. You're good. I was just going to say Kyle Pitts on those corner routes and Kyle Pitts in those seam routes, that's perfect Trask range. Trask is at his best when he's throwing 10, 15-yard balls down the field. I'm pulling up the numbers on that right now so you guys can keep continuing, but I've actually got his yeah, stats Yeah, right I said there. when this was, when this quarterback switch happened, I said the two biggest winners were going to be, and it was clear very early on, the two biggest winners were going to be uh, Kyle Pitts, which is that he's been the biggest winner probably maybe in the country the last two weeks with sure. the stuff with the stats he's done. Totally I agree. mean, he's even he had a great first few games, but next ever since Strass came, he's just taken his game to another level. And Josh Hammond and Freddie Sween are probably two A, two B just because they're third and six, they move the sticks every time. Yes. They're they don't drop balls. They just yep. get the ball. They won't they won't break free for a seven yard touchdown, but they'll catch it and they'll run a good route. Absolutely. At least have a shot to catch it. Absolutely I, I completely agree. And and to stay on Kyle Pitts for a minute, I'm going to I'm writing a story either tonight or tomorrow um, that, that's going to go live before, obviously, before the game. Um, and it's going to be how not just for Auburn, but for Auburn, LSU, and Georgia, if Florida wants to have a prayer to win the game, to win any of those games, Kyle Pitts needs to have special days. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, do, like, like, let's I don't be, think – does any team that – maybe Georgia, but does – Auburn and LSU have they proven they have someone who can cover Kyle Pitts? No, absolutely like not. Like that's a corner. Well, and, you and said we, you we said Harrison. There's yep. what one corner over six foot. This dude, yeah, there's six, one six, corner over six foot, and he's six foot two, and he's their second. Auburn. He's in the second string. Auburn's second. Auburn's first starting five corners are listed at. Let me pull up the tweet. They're listed at 209. Six foot one ninety one, five ten one eighty. That's their first five. They go nickel. And we're already, and we already know that there's not a linebacker they have that can guard Pitts. There's not no. a linebacker with the speed. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy. The only that's, team that might have a linebacker in the country that can maybe even cover Pitts is just Georgia, just because their linebacker recruiting has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been insane. So I mean, you're talking about a guy that's two hundred and forty pounds. They got receiver reps in the off season. He's six six. Yeah, and he's six he, six. He, he's like, half a foot taller than all these. Right, guys. and it's like yeah. yeah, he's six six, and he moves like a deer. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, and and he he runs so naturally for a guy so tall, like yeah. It, usually someone, when you watch what what's up, someone compared someone not the cutoff. Someone texted me before the season and compared Kyle Pitts to Nikhil Harry from Arizona State, who's now in the Patriots. I was like, I can see it. I just haven't seen enough of it, and now I'm just starting now to believe it because yeah, he can sure. just move his body so well. He's fast. He has great hands. He's just like I think once he learns the tight end position, I think. Like fully because he just moved back in the middle of fall camp. I think we will have an All American next year along with Miami's Brevin Jordan. Or you just keep him playing the big slot. I mean that yeah. position has become so vital. I mean especially for him, and you're seeing a lot of offenses move towards that even at the next level. Like I think that's his spot. People are. Gonna, I mean there was this dude that came out of Stetson last year. His name was Donald Parham, and he was like the same type of build, same type of, you know, freaky athleticism, but he had no idea what he was doing. Just he had no understanding of nuances of playing tight end or receiver. So you look at Kyle Pitts, and he's going to be viewed as one of those, you know, I hate to just throw around the word generational, but people are going to look at nah. what his skill set provides and the unique combination of skills that he brings. And, you know, people are going to be drooling at that. 
oh, he yeah, reminds I mean, me a little bit of a raw, not polished Jimmy Graham. Like when Jimmy Graham was on the Saints and he was just catching jump balls and being yeah. the best wide receiver out there at six foot six. And so far, he's got a little bit I mean, of that in him. Pitt, Pitt struggled early, but in the past couple of games, he's gotten a little bit better at blocking in space. Jimmy Graham's in what year ten of his career? Yeah, and he still can't do that. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and the tight end blocking, the tight end blocking has gotten better. Granted, we played two god awful football teams the last yeah. two weeks, but the the tight end blocking, I will admit, from where it was at versus Miami to where it's at now, it's gotten better. I still think we need to see more Kimora Gamble over. Mm-hmm. Cruel. Totally. I don't know what purpose. I really don't know what purpose Cruel brings out to the football field. Still, every yep. time we throw it, it's it doesn't disaster. completely agree. He can't block. He can't separate. He's just there's. It, it, he's just big. And and versus we're playing with ten guys on offense. Gamble Pierce and Garage. We had our longest run of the day, maybe the season. That isn't including the jet sweep. I don't. I don't know if someone wants to fact check that. Yeah, I mean, when when Cruel's in the field, you're you're playing with ten guys. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, you, you've got one guy out there, and number seven is out there with his weird blonde hair just taking up space. Yeah. And I like him. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. just I don't think he's ready. It was a cool project. And, like, we're seeing it with – we're seeing with – how do you say his name? Bielch or – Bleich? I can never say. Ble- we're seeing with Bleich. He, if you get rushed onto the football field, it doesn't work. And Cruel has been rushed onto the football field this year by by necessity. And – same with Bleich. Like, Bleich is not ready. It's, I think it's, it's Blake, obvious, but I could be wrong on that. I don't know. Maybe yeah, one way or another. We, we can try different ones. We'll, we'll land on it eventually. But uh, one one quick funny thing about Chris Blake is during the game, uh, during uh, during the Towson game, um, it was that weird, it was that weird, like, play where Trask, like, fumbled the ball and, <clears throat> and Chris Blake caught it. Remember that? Yeah. So... After that play, because I'm pretty sure he was the one that allowed the rush in. But, he was. Yeah. He was, so. <laughs> the, he was the one who caused the fumble. So our essentially one of my one of my buddies that used to live with us um, in Gainesville when he graduated from UF last year, um, but he he's he's gone working now. But he texted me during the game and he said Chris Blake is weaker than my self control. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. I was laughing for like the rest of the quarter when I heard that. But uh, quick. Quick thing on Kyle Pitts, really quick before, because I'm sure we, we want to move on to other stuff. Um, let, let me. Let, I want to get really specific about Kyle Pitts because I'm going to put this in my story too. Do we see a way that Florida beats Auburn, LSU, or Georgia if Kyle Pitts doesn't score at least one touchdown in each of those games? I mean, with how little they, uh, unless I mean, obviously there's the outlier chance that you know Van has like a 150 yard two touchdown day or something. But like well, the obviously thing is, there's I like think those. Every, but I think every receiver in Florida's arsenal is capable of doing that at some point. There's some right. favorable matchup out there. Yeah. for I just think each Kyle Pitts receiver. is by far the most likely to. Well, do Well, the it. thing is, if you have Kyle Pitts doing it, then your odds are obviously increasing. You know, yeah, you can't, for sure. You, right. You, you don't and we were talking about it. this before the show. We were talking about this before the show, and I said I have a weird feeling this could be the Tyree Cleveland game, just because Tyree's been Tyree has probably been the most improved in that room from where he was a year ago to where he is now. He's catching with his hands. He, he wasn't getting on the field off. last year. Yeah, he's like he's been really good. We just I don't think we know how to use him, and I think Trask. Trask's reduced arm strength compared to Frank's limits him a little bit, but I yeah, could easily he's a see this guy. being the Tyree Cleveland game. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. Like, because yeah. because one thing Tyree's also good at is he he's pretty good at um, running the ball after the catch too. I think I think yeah. he's underrated at that. Right, yeah. Like, 
I'm always impressed when Tyree catches like like a four or five yard crosser or like a like seven eight yard hitch, and then like I'm always impressed with his ability to like stiff arm the corner and get three four extra yards. I yeah. think he has really underrated strength, and I think that's someone that's something that people don't really talk about with him. They just assume he's the he's the deep threat guy. Right. They just assume that he's Van yeah. number two. Right. And that's and I do he, think we do see a lot of a lot of different screens this week because we didn't even we thought we were going to see them all versus Tennessee but we really only saw two or three and then Dan obviously threw out a couple just to show it on tape versus Towson yeah. but I do think this is the week we start to see the playbook expand yeah I think for that, the wide receivers and the screen game increase we just need the lineman to block right I think during the Tennessee game I think Mullen was running some stuff early and then realized how bad Tennessee really was and realized that he didn't need to open up all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So he decided, screw this. I'm just going to keep this in my back pocket until it really matters. So that, that's like we saw not, two. I think that? we saw two screens like back-to-back because Tennessee was setting corner blitzes, <laughs> and then it was, and that was, I think, the drive. Trask hit the deep post to Swain to make it 17-3, yep. 24-3, and by then Dan was like, all right, I'm done. This is over. Yeah. and We're, and not, we're not giving up any more points. That's another thing that, that – um, I think that local people are talking about, but national people aren't, and I think this is this is a really, really, really important thing. But and Mullen did this exact same thing last year. He kept a bunch yes. of stuff in his back pocket until LSU. Mm-hmm. And Mullen, yeah. How do we and know that he doesn't State. have like ten, like ten or fifteen plays that he's like, oh yeah, this is gonna work, baby. The, this is good. Yeah. This is good for fifty yards. Right. And he can just unload the kitchen sink against against these next big three opponents, excluding South Carolina. How do how do we know that? We don't. I I would assume that like, he does. Well, yeah, I think the he most does. important thing and there. I think Gus has also Gus has had to play a god awful Mississippi State team, Oregon in the first start, and at, on the road at A and M. And if you've watched those games, he's and even he's caught a couple trick plays versus Kent State and Tulane. Yep, he's used a lot of his. I call them scratch offs. He's used yeah. a lot of his scratch offs. The plays where you you get you get one, and then it's on film and it's over. Right, and so the reverses to Schwartz or the flea flickers or the play where the offensive line doesn't move and they call a screen, like he's all used those already. So I don't know how much – and he still has to play Florida, Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. So I don't know how much he can actually have in that high school playbook he has that is going to (laughs) actually work Saturday versus the best defense he's seen all year. Well, the thing that Florida is going to have to do to be able to establish those plays is still rely upon you know the dependability that they do have. They can't. I mean, I don't see them coming out and as much as we know that Mullen can script something up on the fly or put something together that'll just kind of wow you. I think it's going to take, you know, opening them up a good bit, and that's why I think Hammond here is so special. Yeah. Trask. So Kyle Trask, as of right now, has completed ninety three percent of his passes from behind the line of scrimmage up to ten yards. He's twenty eight to thirty. Sixty three percent of Hammond's receiving yards this year have come after the catch. That that that's kind of where I'm coming from it with, you know, early on he's gonna be dependent on maybe he won't go like, you know, five one hundred, but if he goes, you know, five sixty throughout the first quarter, that opens up so many different things for Florida to be able to pull off. Right. And I do think that there's some stuff they've been building into. Like last year I knew I I got told that the cruel the pass we used in the LSU game from cruel to cruel to Franks was in the playbook for Mississippi State, they just didn't use it. So I'm sure there's yep. some that they've been in the that they've had in the bag. Like Dan called a couple versus 
my then wanted to call a couple versus Miami. They just weren't there and the, they didn't work like the speed options and yeah, stuff I like was, that. So same thing with Emory against Kentucky. He, yeah, yeah. He wanted to call some stuff with Emory versus Kentucky. Trash just got hot and you couldn't bench him. He says yeah. it almost every I, week that there's things that are left on the table. Right, because we yeah. haven't needed them. I yeah. think I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see one or two in the first quarter, and then I wouldn't be shocked if we see like one in the third and one in the fourth where we're like, damn, that was the one if it doesn't work. And if it works, it's oh my god, damn moment's a genius. But right. they had yeah. to try it because it's and, because and, they tried to they had to try to catch <laughs> Auburn off guard. Harrison, you took the words right out of my mouth when, when you mentioned the the crawl to back to Frank's pass from the L S U game. Because yeah. Zach was just talking about how to run those kind of things, it takes opening it takes opening the defense up a little bit and running more basic stuff with with your Josh Hammonds, with your Kyle Pitts, with with those guys, and that's exactly what Florida did against LSU last year. And that Florida LSU game, the reason I keep, I think that Harrison and I both keep going back to it is it's it's by far the most comparable game to this one since mm-hmm. Mullen's been at Florida. Mm-hmm. I think um, you can kind of compare it to Mississippi State as well. I just yeah. think it's more. LSU because we're the home team and we kind of have house money like we were expected to really win the Mississippi State game I don't think Vegas thought we would but I think the large perception the national perception around the SEC was we were expected to win that game right, but I agree here it's like we're playing with house money like Auburn has all the pressure they're the 5-0 and team off to the wonderful star it's the Gus bus is back uh we haven't beaten anyone we have a backer quarterback so we have house money I'm not I'm not really worried about that that much in all honesty yeah and and yeah, and I totally agree. Like in the third quarter of that LSU game last year, it was the, was it the third quarter or fourth quarter that the crawl to Frank's pass was called? Fourth. It was on the go ahead. You're right. Master. You're right. It was, yep, that was the yep. best drive we had. All, you're the right. You're season. right. You're right. Because then P Ryan had the short uh, touchdown run right yeah. after. Yep. 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 You're totally right. Um. So yeah, like that big play might not get called until and and exactly what you said with Mississippi State, that that Tony that Tony throw. To Kamori Gamble, it was what right? six to six in the third quarter. Yeah, to Kamori, that was the only touchdown of the game. Yeah, that was the only touchdown of the entire game. So it, it's like, and 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 that's one thing that I think makes Mullen such a good coach is, is I think that sometimes coaches they have this this you know trick play or this whatever kind of gimmicky play and they're like, they're like oh this is the one this works it, it's a scratch off like you just said Harrison, um, and they think oh I got to use this like as, as soon as possible. I got to use this in the in the first quarter. I got to use this whenever it's fourth down. I, I got I got to run a fake punt on fourth down in the SEC championship. Yes, I'm throwing a jab at Kirby Smart. <laughs> nice yeah. jab. So, I think Mullen is very good at. Oh, I got this play. We're gonna run it. We're gonna run it. We're gonna run it. Oh, never mind. Traffic is really hot. Let's keep Emory on the sideline. Oh, never mind. This is working. Let's wait for next week. Right. Oh, never mind. You know, on third and twelve. We were going to run this, but instead we just ran a seam route to Kyle Pitts, and it worked. Right. I think he's very good at timing it right. It's not just drawing up the good play. I agree with that. It's not just using the correct people in that play. It's not just teaching the players to execute. It's when do you time it. It's when do you put it in. And that's that's just as important as executing the play. And, and like, uh, another example of a failed time that uh, that I think, to steal your words, Harrison, that Florida fans look and they say that was the one was that flea flicker against Georgia. Uh, the first play of the game, that, that it was play the flea flicker. And then in all honesty, it was the Emory deep shot that we got to pass interference on. Yes. Campbell's beat. Those yes. were the, t- those are the two plays. It's like, man, if we hit one of those, we probably won that game. Yes. And, and I, that, that flea flicker especially is going to haunt 
Florida fans forever because could you imagine if they scored on that play? It's just could we were such imagine? a we're such a different team with a lead. Even this year, we're such a different team when we had the lead in versus Miami. When we had the lead versus Miami, Grantham lost Grantham went bananas on defense. But when we have to like stop them and get a stop, he has to call the perfect game and all that. And that's why I'm not a big third and like I'm not the most anti third and Grantham dude there is, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. more we we week. could write a book on third and Grantham. Well, speaking yeah. of third and Grantham, as well as just the rest of Florida's defense, we can transition it over there a good bit. What are your guys' thoughts on Bo Nix so far? Um, I, I think that, you know, the only, to, to be fair, the only full game of Bo Nix that I've seen, like the only game that I've watched, I, I've seen a good bit of Bo Nix, especially because my, one of my roommates went to Auburn. So he, he always, he's always got the Auburn game on. Um, at our house when we're watching other games. Um, but the only game that I've really, really paid attention start to finish was the Oregon game. And, you know, people people like love to mention the fact that he manufactured that comeback drive and they won, but he looked pretty bad that whole game. He was awful for two and a half quarters. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, it's very likely he plays, you know, three just garbage quarters. That's a super likely scenario, and I don't, I don't understand why people are just assuming that Bo Nix is going to come in here and play really well against this elite defensive line and against— Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. That was my next point. Yeah, and you're not only say, talking about elite defensive line, but you're talking about fast defensive linemen. You know, it, Bo Nix can't just yeah. take off and just blow right by Jonathan Grenard. He's faster than Jonathan Grenard, is, but he's not so yeah. much faster that he can just zip right by him and it's nothing. He's fast, but he's, he's not this Lamar Jackson. This isn't Texas A&M. Right. This isn't Texas A&M. Like, they don't have the team speed that Florida does. And if we're being perfectly honest, that Texas A&M look, win looks, after last week, that looks like a god-awful win. Because, I, yes, I mean, yeah. thank got you their, for saying that. A&M got their ass, and soul, ass kicked and souls taken in Death Valley. They lost at home to Auburn and gave up 100 passing yards. And then they, they probably should have lost to Arkansas, who – is the worst, maybe the worst team in the SEC are definitely bottom two. So thank you so much I for mean, saying that. And and you, you, we're also not forgetting that A and M was a A and M was a really really well kicked but just missed onside kick. Yeah, from, from maybe coming and back and winning that game. Goals. Yeah, and it's like they missed it, three field goals and and should have gotten an onside kick and are and part of and I'm not just trying to make Auburn sound worse, but are we sure Oregon's good? No, like, we're not, sure. that, we're not Oregon even sure Justin had, Herbert's Oregon that good. A touchdown. Yeah. They missed a field goal. They fumbled in the red zone. Like, are we sure they're good? That you're, Harrison. You're literally speaking what I've been thinking and saying for like two weeks now. Like, I'm looking at their schedule now. It's they they obviously <laughs> they lost a close one to Auburn. They came back and scored seventy some seventy seven points versus Nevada. They beat Montana and they beat. A god awful Stanford team that's one and three, twenty one to six on the road. So, are we sure? Like, what's their best win here? I mean, the Justin Herbert thing, the narrative for there is great, but Cristobal's not that good a coach. And now after this, they get they get Cal at home, Colorado, Washington, Washington State, USC. So there's in a, in a month from now, they could easily be four, five and three or four and four or whatever. Yeah, no, and, and then we're talking about the significance of the Auburn victory, and are they sure they're good? Yeah, this is super. Um, the, not super, but it, it's a little off topic. But really quick, do y'all agree that Mario Cristobal is just a lower level Kirby Smart? Yeah, really, really. He's not like, a good. He's a great manager and a great O line coach and a great recruiter, but yeah. he just 
it's the recruiting yeah. like I, I watched him i watched him burn two timeouts on a fourth and one and run 175 pound scat back into Auburn's defensive line with the game on the line is I'm that like, worse i was like i was like you deserve to lose for this is that <laughs> worse or better than putting justin fields in on a fake punt in the sec championship um, that's pretty bad <laughs> But that's like something you do, like. Both of those things are things you deserve to lose the game. Yeah, for, and but. and to bring this back to Florida, do do we ever see a, a scenario where Mullen does something boneheaded like that? Not while I've been uh, here. Not really. The Mullen's worst I had, can really give Mullen is kicking it in a punting it from the thirty-four versus Kentucky last year. But yeah, no one ever wants to talk about that. Right. I mean, Mullen has like some moments where I'm kind of like, why? Why'd you do that? What and do you like? Do, like Time management and kick and kicking and punting. It's like, what are you doing? We can put the game away here. Let's punt it. Yeah, like, but that's it's, the but only it's two like, questionable things I can fault him on. I'm, and I'll it's like, is that. there a single coach in the country where you don't have a couple things they do where you're like, why did you do that? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, every coach does does a boneheaded thing every once in a while, but like, nothing that bad, nothing that abysmal. And and for and I've said this about Mullen all all off season. I said I thought his stubbornness because sometimes Dan Mullen. I love Dan Mullen. I think he's a fantastic coach and what we need for this program, but I thought stubborn Dan Mullen would probably almost cost us or cost us a game and it almost cost us Miami or almost cost us Kentucky. But I and so I thought it would be one of those two or Auburn, but I just don't think now with house money and a backup quarterback and playing the win, I don't think he's gonna be that stubborn anymore and just rely on the run, run, run and the dives anymore. I think he knows he has to open it up now. Yeah, and he mentioned that in his presser. When they asked yeah. about it, he, he he said he likes a balance of running the pass, but he's not stubborn. He he works with what he's given. Well, yeah, I think that's that held true last year. I mean, they were a top thirty rushing percentage play in the country, running at sixty forty. This year, I'm I haven't looked in the past week, but it's flipped. It, it not totally, but the pass is now positive. Run is way under. So, yeah, exactly. There's balance, but I mean, I guess that's one thing you said. It changed the philosophy, and he's not going to not do that. Yeah, so um I agree. Not to like totally like throw everybody out of whack, but can I I want to get something really specific for this game really quick. Mm-hmm. Each of y'all it. just two concise and I'll I'll give mine two. Give me two on both sides of the ball. Two just really just concise short things that Florida has to do to win this game. On offense and defense. Zach, you want to go first? On defense, they got to stop the run. I mean, they can't allow, They can't miss tackles. That's that's the so, most important thing about them on defense. So like sp- like more specifically, like what is stopping the run to you? Like seventy yards, eighty yards, uh, under a hundred. Uh, I mean, yeah, something like that. I mean, I don't know exactly what type of number yeah. to put on it, but I can tell you, uh, I'm pulling up numbers right now. Once again, I love having a slow computer. Yeah, so for I'm for me, I, while Zach's pulling it up, for me, yeah, good. I was gonna say the big key for me is staying disciplined. Like, know your gaps, know your assignments, because all it takes is one bad – I'm not just throwing this name out. All it takes is one bad Donovan Steiner angle for Schwartz to be gone. Right. That's Because that's all it yeah. takes this game. You Agreed. have to you have to contain Schwartz. You have to be disciplined with all the eye candy and the pre-snap stuff Gus is going to call. You have to know where the screens are going. I just think on defense, it's, it's just stay disciplined. Jatarvius Whitlow is averaging 3.1 yards after contact, and he's at Good 5.1 Lord. on the year. Seven scores on 92 attempts. Florida cannot afford to miss any tackles in the. So right he's game. Auburn's Damian Pierce, but just probably better. Right. Yeah, and then Auburn is Auburn still line. doing the six co-starter thing? Uh, like six co-starter running backs? I don't know. I, I just I, saw that on Twitter and I thought that was hilarious. I can I couldn't tell you. 
But, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be crucial. I don't think Bo Nix is going to throw more than 20 pass attempts. He's averaging 25 this year. I don't see him going over 20. I mean, there's. I don't see Nix. I don't see Nix throwing for more than two fifteen. He's completing seventy four percent of his passes behind the line of scrimmage up to ten yards. Uh, let me see. I'm pulling it up. I've got it on my phone right here. Yeah, I don't think Nix has at 40, I think Nix gets two fifty all purpose. That's what I think, and I don't know if that's enough. Forty two point six percent of his passes are being completed ten plus yards down the field. Yeah. He can't. How many point six? 42.6. Oh, wow. He's not he's not going to push beyond 10 yards. And, I mean, when you're getting hit, and a lot of, when and you're getting a lot hit of by one of the best pass rushes in the 40 in, running four verts last week versus Mississippi State. When you're getting hit by one of the best pass rushes in the nation as a true freshman, this dude's been taking sacks. This dude, like we said, has been creating his own pressures. He's not even going to be able to get those 10-yard passes out as swiftly as he's been doing it. I mean, Kyle Trask is 20 percentage points ahead of him in that category. So... I really am not that optimistic that we see much coming from Bo Nix at all, whereas this is going to be the Whitlow show in their running game if they want to get things going on offense. I think this is a lot of Whitlow and a lot of Schwartz, and honestly, I could see this. I, I, I my, my offensive thing is a good segue in this. I think they'll use a lot of Joey Gatewood this week mm-hmm. for short yardage, and then I think for on offense, this is probably a decent segue, that I think Emory Jones is the most important quarterback this week. Just because when I was watching the Mississippi State game, the quarterback run was there over the middle. Over the middle, it was there. So if you can run with Emory and like on the veer that they've been setting up for three weeks with just in the, especially in the fourth quarter of Tennessee game where they were just handing it off to Pierce for left, handing it off to Pierce for right. If you can run that with Emory over the middle, I think we're going to get some good chunk yards and obviously the dives and the quarterback run game works with Emory. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I would honestly think Emory probably – this is probably a bold. I think Emory throws the ball at least five times this week, whether it's a screen or over the middle just to throw Auburn off balance. I think we see a lot of Emory, and I think he – my bold prediction for this week is I think if we need to win, I think he needs to get lead a drive or at least get three points. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. So is uh, that your is that your offensive thing, Harrison? That's my offensive thing. It's it's okay. I think if we need to win, Emory Jones needs to put up put up a drive where we get at least three points, or he needs to have a big play, have at least one big play. What like about a uh, 30, 30 or more yards? Yeah. What about defense? Something quick. Uh, defense, size from staying disciplined. I was I was probably going to say just uh, just get home, just get home the Bonex. You've got. And you've got the probably the best. As much as we've heard about Auburn's D line, I think our D line is statistically better. So I can say it's the best defensive line in the SEC, if not the country. And going up against the groups of five seniors, this is this is a money game. This is like like Graham said and from Kyrie earlier. This is what you've come to Florida for. This is what you this is what you come to Florida to play in these big games and an O line against a rival on homecoming game day. The whole circus. This is a money game for that line, and I think. I think they need to get home. Like Kyrie Campbell's a senior. This is the best O line besides Georgia we played the entire year. So I think if they can get home, I think we can enforce a turnover too. Because Nix is good for at least one or two. So I think if that happens, we're good. We're, we can we can win this game. Yep, totally agree. Zach, what's your defensive thing? The defense was just or yeah, you know, sorry, tack- your tackles. I'm sticking with Josh Hammond. Uh, I mean, even if like I said, it doesn't have to be five one hundred, five one fifty that 65-yard catch against Miami. He doesn't have to do that. 
But you you come out, you target him early, you utilize him, like you guys said, with screens underneath stuff. Where their star, I mean, their star is allowing nearly 70% of his targets to be caught. And I think it's third and five. It's third and five. Find Josh Hammond on a seven yard pass. You have to. That happens early, and everything else that we've talked about will fall into place. Being able to get gimmicky with Emory Jones or these play calls that Mullen hasn't let out, Kyle Pitts, the run game later on. But you utilize, I mean, he's called Mr. Dependable for a reason. Like, he's going to show us why he has that label this week, or he has to, at least. Yep, totally agree. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll hit uh, my two. Um, my two, I, I want to stick with Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I think that... You are all in on this. I am I am very in on He's as in on, on this Pitts. as I am with Hammond right now. And yeah, I think if you can This, get is, both, if this you, is your Sean Davis. If, yes. If, if, we, if they can get Kyle Pitts and Josh Hammond going, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in how the offense can perform during the entire game. Yeah, totally agree. Even and, if it's just one of those and another wide receiver, in all honesty. Right. Yeah. And, if it's and Pitts I, and Cleve or Cleve and hammond like i think if two wide receivers have a good game i think we can win yeah and I, i'm glad you said that because i was just about to say that i think um what well, a huge reason besides the obvious matchup nightmare besides the obvious just athletic freak that kyle pitts is another thing is he allows the other receivers to roam more free mm-hmm. if you're yeah. hitting kyle pitts on 10 15 yard seam routes up the middle what can that do for a trayvon grimes mm-hmm. what can that do for a van jefferson or a Freddie Swain. Um, I won't put Josh Hammond in that mix because I think Josh Hammond has a good game kind of regardless. Mm-hmm. I think Josh Hammond's really, really good at finding those soft spots short, those seven. We just talked about it. We, right. we've, we've hit this already. But but Van um, and Trayvon. Yeah, absolutely. It, exactly. And when you got to worry about pits down the middle, and then you look at even Tyree, like Harrison said, you look at Van, you look at Grimes down the field, you look at them on the sides, like that helps their game so much. So I, I think that this offense looks so much better when you're feeding Kyle Pitts. And mm-hmm. I think we all agree with that. I'm just I, I might be over oh, the top. Absolutely. <laughs> but, also um, I think they're setting up something with Hammond around the goal line be- or in general because they've been giving him a lot of sweeps lately. And same with Cope. I think they're setting up something for either Cope or Hammond, either whether it's this game or down the on the line, I don't know what it is, but I think they're setting up a big trick play for with one of them just because of how they're getting the football. Yep, agree. Um, and then on defense, uh, my thing is, um, Harrison, you kind of said it when you basically said it when you said get home, um, create the negative yeah. plays, because yeah. I don't think that Auburn is a team offensively that can as bad as florida has been on third and long i don't think auburn is a team that can consistently get out of holes i think they're a team that needs to play with a lead and they need to be able to play their style of consistent offense outside of a few gimmicky plays i don't i don't trust bo nix to make a 20-yard throw down the field i don't trust him to make a 10-yard throw yeah for real i don't i just want to bring up the third and long thing if florida does give up third and long we also have a really good red zone defense and I don't know how much Auburn you guys have watched, but when Gus Malzahn gets into the red zone, it's a train wreck. <laughs> it's laughable. Like, he has no idea. What, like, his whole offense is so gimmicky, gimmicky, and when you get to the red zone, it just becomes so hard to put it in the end zone. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I. So I guess that'd be my second thing, is just force field goals in the red zone. And I, I, Is there any sign that Florida's not capable of doing that? Right. No. No. We did it versus I mean, Miami. We did it versus Kentucky. I and think, and no, we, we don't we win those games Miami. if we don't do it. 
Right. Yeah, we, we, we lose it versus Tennessee, and we've given up three points. And there's been three game, three of the five games we've ended up a combined three points. So yep, totally. I'm agree. not really concerned. And and yeah, just, just to to kind of just wrap up what I was saying, I think if you if you have a lot of drives where you get you know you get a Bonix sack on first or second down, or you get a run game that's a loss of a run play that's a loss of three or four. I mean, three or four might be aggressive. You, you get you know even just a one yard loss right on right. first or second down. I think that sets you up for Auburn not scoring more than 14, 17 points. And I think if Auburn scores 14 or 17, I think Florida's very capable of winning this game. Mm-hmm. I, I very much see a way that Florida can score 20, 21, and that's good enough to win. Yeah. So do we have another, another segue, or is this our segue into score predictions? I think this is our segue into score predictions. Harrison, go yeah, ahead baby. and uh, lead us off. I've said I have had a weird feeling about this game. Last year, I said all offseason we weren't going to lose to LSU, and everyone thought I was crazy. And this all offseason, I've never understood the Auburn hype. And I, I didn't think they'd come in at 5-0. and I honestly thought they'd come in here at 3-2. and But I'm true freshman on the road. Swamp, the swamp is going to be back. It's going to be crazy, crazier than it's been in years. I just don't think they can get it done. I like I, – I think it'll, it won't be pretty. I don't think it'll be high scoring. I'm going to go forward to 23-20. Graham, you got us? Um, mine's not too far off of that. I have a little bit lower scoring at 21-17. Yeah, I'm right in the same yeah. range as you guys. Um, like 24-21 Florida sounds about right. 24 yep. what? 24-21. Yeah, so it's all it's going to be a grind. I said so I we, said we all got Florida winning, though, to be clear. We all have Florida we winning. Florida winning. Yep. I mean, this is going to be a this is going to be close to the end. Oh, absolutely. I just I said to someone this week, it's either going to be a grind like LSU and Mississippi State was last year, or the only other way I see this game going is if one team just turns the ball over twice in the first quarter and just gets blown out of the building. That's oh, the yeah. only other way I see it. Oh yeah, and early, I can early honestly, I can honestly gonna, see that yeah. just because Nix is a true freshman, and if our line can't block, then we're in for a long day with Trask. However, I do say it's that, that I, simple. I mean, Trask did did struggle a little bit holding onto the ball, but I mean, I do think and that's you're, what I said. I think Trask. If I think Trask, if is probably good for a fumble this week. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I think Trask is probably good for a fumble this week. Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I agree, but I, I do think that also one, one thing you can say about Trask is I think that you're good for a turnover or two less with Trask than you were with Felipe. Because Felipe was good for yeah. at least one boneheaded downfield throw per game that resulted in a pick. Like, yeah, like let's play jackpot in Lexington. Yeah, <laughs> or or one six-yard overthrow to p ryan that gets tipped and then picked off by a safety right um but 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 again yeah we like we just talked about it i mean trask is good for maybe a fumble when he tries to scramble and gets hit from behind or something and that's exactly why i keep banging the table on josh hammond you get that ball out in a second yeah you get it it out because you you can't let him become susceptible to a bunch of pressure you just you just patriots this thing you you just tom brady this thing you make josh hammond julian edelman you dink and dunk until something opens up yeah, so, right. so you treat Josh Hammond like Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Death taxes and Josh Hammond open, open over the middle. Exactly. Crosser, yep. <laughs> crossers and screens are going to be heavy, heavily utilized early on. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that should pretty much do it for us here today. Harrison, want to thank you for uh, coming on with us before you catch your flight. I'm sure you're going to have a Anytime. good week out I'm here, exci- man. I'm excited to get there already, man. Wait, something, <laughs> something really fun. quick because I want this on record. Uh, Harrison, when, when do you get in town? I when get it when you get to Gainesville, yeah. 
I get into Gainesville Friday. I should be there by Friday, middle of Friday afternoon. Okay, so, I mean, all I'm saying is Friday afternoon, this booth will I'm be not- open. This what? This booth will be open. This recording booth. Uh, huh. sh- and I'll I mean, see what I can do if I make it there on time. We, we, we might we something. might hit a little in person pod. And if not, I mean the bars are open after. The so. bars are. <laughs> that's that's yo, yo, this, true. This is just developing perfectly. I like you, the way this, this sounds. week. I damn you well get, need it, boys. <laughs> you get Harrison in here for an in person pod, all three of us, and then look, we're walking distance from Midtown. Let's go hit it. Look at that. <laughs> it couldn't be easier. Look at that. What I'll do is I'll call up one of the bars and see if we can just set up a booth in there and go live. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> I love you. Love live to see show, it. <laughs> you know, it, it, we'll, we'll get something like that figured out eventually. That's awesome. But, yeah. Harrison, thanks for joining us, man. Give us a plug on where everyone can find your work. Uh, Twitter at Harrison underscore Tensler. Uh, weekly column will probably be back Monday for Auburn week. I don't do them for FCS opponents because it's a glorified practice, but the good, the bad, the ugly will be back. Um, Death Valley next week. Can't wait for that. I'll be somehow, sur- if I survive this weekend, making the drive to Baton Rouge. I'm looking forward to that. And then, yeah, it's going to be a fun month. It's going to be a fun month. It's great football be- for, for Florida and great football around the country. I'm just glad I could talk about it with you guys and on the roll-up and on Twitter. We're it's glad more to fun you, when man. you're winning. We're definitely glad to have you, and you said it. It's going to be anytime. It's going to be quite the month. Uh, and. As for us, that'll do it. Make sure to subscribe anywhere you guys can listen to podcasts. You can listen to the Gator Maven podcast powered by Sports Illustrated. And, of course, make sure to go check out the site, si.com slash college slash Florida. Check out all our content over there. Make sure to sign up. It's free. It takes about five seconds. You can use our community board to talk up Florida versus Auburn. We're excited for this game, and we'll catch up with you guys next time.